This is iFanboy Pick of the Week number 646 brought to you by Harry's. Listeners of the show can redeem their trial set at harrys.com slash iFanboy. And iFanboy listeners just like you. Stop the season, stop the sting. A plastic mic, broken string. Infected wound from a rusted ring. So. Hello, welcome to iFanboy Pick of the Week number 646. When did you start listening? Oh, God. Way early. Like sing, like double digits or triple? Uh, double digits. Okay. Early double digits. That's pretty impressive. I've ruined the format. I'm Josh Flanagan. I'm here with special guest Jim Viscardi. <laughs> Hello. Hi. Welcome I'm back. Boom. I still don't get the Pick of the Week. Uh, I don't think anyone does. I've broken format already, and I, I like Connor's not here right now because he's still recreating the bastard. But his ears perked up. He was Definitely. like, "Format's off." Like he knew, he knew he could feel it. Uh, we are a fanboy. Uh, every week we read our stack of comics. Normally Connor is here to make sure that things go the way that they're supposed to, and then I do a, a bad impersonation of that when he's not here. Um, one of us picks, it's me, uh, picks the favorite book, and we call that the pick of the week. We're going to talk about that book. We're going to talk about other books from the week, the patron pick, and if we have time, we will read some listener mail. I'm going to try not to go long, but I always go long. It's late. I was reading comics literally up until like 80 seconds ago, and I didn't sleep very much last night, and tomorrow's not looking good either. So I think this could be a bad show or a great show. And, and I, I think Jim's with me. I think we're on our way to a great show. That's what I think is happening. I'm going to start drinking. Do that. <laughs> Do that. Uh, your spoiler warning is that we're talking about books. Don't be a fucking nimbus. We're, we're going to spoil them. That's how this works. Can we do that? Yeah. Yeah, you can do it all over the place. It's fine. All right. I don't even read Walking Dead and Issues anymore, so that's not a thing anymore. I have the pick of the week, so I'm going to continue talking unless you'd like to add something to what I just did. Just staring out the window. It's okay. That's good. Is, <laughs> is it not dark there? Oh, it's dark. Okay, good. That that makes, that makes the staring even more poignant. <laughs> Just just your breath condensing on the glass. That's nice. So what was your pick, Josh? The pick of the, the pick of, Oh no. The pick of the week this week is Hey Kids exclamation point. Comics exclamation point number one with story and art by Howard Chaikin. Um are you aware of this of this book? I don't I I don't think you had time to read it. No, I did not, but I, my I am aware of it, and I've been actually I sort of been following it, and I kind of forgot that it came out this week, but um, but I do love Chaken. Yeah, I, I love Chaken sometimes. I don't hate Chaken ever. I don't really dislike, but some some of his projects, I'm like ah, I I can't get into this, and then others, you know, there's something I can grab onto, but there is always in all of them something unmistakable and unique um, to Howard Chaken that nobody else can do, and it's not just the art style. There's I, I honestly I don't know that I can pin it down. However, uh, in this project, um, I, I like I believe that there is a certain man and there is a certain time, and it will come together in a comic that maybe as many as three thousand people will read, and I will be one of those people, and I will enjoy it very, very much. Um, 
So what this is, is sort of um, a fictional history of uh, the, the, the modern comic book industry uh, from basically just after World War II to the early 2000s. Um, and there are, it's not, um, it's not a comic book history of comics. It's not, um, and there are going to be more issues and, and there will be other stuff. Um, uh, to, uh, caveat before I go on much further, the cover is, uh, awful. It's, it's a photo cover. All photo covers are terrible. This is a particularly bad one because it completely, um, obfuscates what is inside. Um, and also I think some of the press around what this was going to be made it sound like it was going to be Chaikin's like skewering of the comic industry. Yep. Like it sounded like it was going to be this guy hates cons and how comics are now and watch him go. And that sounds awful. Um, and if that had been what this was, uh, then I wouldn't be talking about it right now in these <laughs> terms. Um, but instead what it is, is, uh, there's a there's a there's a lot of characters, um, and and I actually I actually reread this a couple of times because I didn't follow it as much as I wanted to the first time. And when I got to the end, I thought oh, I feel like that could kind of be pick of the week, except I'm not sure if I got like eighty percent of it. Um, so I went back and I read it again, which, given my schedule over the last week and the fact that I never read comics twice ever, I think says a thing. And when I got to the end of it, all the things that I had liked about it. I still liked, and I picked up a little more along the way. However, I did not clear it up completely. There was a, still a lot of, there's basically a lot of old style New York City Jewish comic creator names. There's a lot of Mort's <laughs> and Lou's and and Irv's, and and it's very difficult to keep them all. And and you know, uh, Chaikin draws like Chaikin, and they all have their own you know different faces. And, and I don't think that that's a bad job. There's just so many of them. Um, that it was a little hard to keep track, other than these two guys uh, who the the story sort of opens on them. There's a cold open that doesn't have anything to do with them, but uh, the first time we date this in 1945, uh, these two guys come out of the subway. They had just gotten back from the war, and they're sort of looking to get work again uh, in the industry. Um, and, you know, they like you spend a little time in the offices talking shop, and it's not explained very well. It's like we just pick up the conversation as it goes and you have to put it together. Uh, we pop forward five, 10 years to 1955. We join these people again, but you have to work again to figure out who they are because uh, they've aged a little bit. Um, and every time there's a every time there's a uh, there's a time jump, like you kind of have to reorient yourself. Um, then there's a, a female uh, named, I think her name's Benita, and, and she's in through the whole thing. Then there's a cast of other people, a lot of them. Um, I figured out the second time through that there's one character named Bob and he's pretty much a Stan Lee stand in. Mm. I mean, if you know, Stan Lee history, it's kind it's pretty easy to pick up on. Uh, there's a, there's a bit where they go to, there's a lot in this issue. Um, and, uh, there's a bit where like, they're talking about, uh, uh, unionizing basically. And somebody like looks over and is like, what's he doing here? Isn't he management? And the one guy goes, well, he freelanced some, but it's mostly for his uncle. And that's Stan Lee. 
Mm. Um, and then later there's another thing where there, there's another guy named Sid, I think it's Sid, and you see him in and out of the story all the time, like coming out of offices, yelling at people and leaving somewhere. And that's kind of all he does. Um, but they talk about him like he's really good. And then there's a bit later where somebody's talking to the Stan Lee stand in and saying how he took credit for everything that, that this other guy Sid did. And I was like, oh, Sid's Jack. Mm. Um, and it's not a one-to-one. It's, it's more like, um, did you ever watch Halton Catch Fire? Okay, it it's it is it, this is to Stan and Jack in the comics industry what Halt and Catch Fire is to Waz and Jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's the thing, but I feel like that's a that's a thing that that happens in almost every creative field at one point or another, where there's someone accusing someone of stealing all their ideas. Yeah, but but in this the the thing the thing about comics was that that. It everything was a work for hire forever and nobody mm-hmm. owned anything. And, and, and an undercurrent through this whole thing is that like the artists and the writers and obviously Howard Chaikin is an, is an artist and a writer who, you know, has these feelings and has learned about them. Um, and, and it, that, you know, somebody else is making all the money based on their hard work and their talent. And that's the thing that goes on through this whole time. And, and in comics that has its own very unique, sort of feeling and then the idea that at the end and i think about this kind of concept all the time is that these guys who were working on what was considered there to be like low blo- lowbrow dreck you know like like they a lot of guys didn't want to be making comics is where they ended up and some of them wanted to take it seriously but they knew that nobody else did and then it became the driving force of pop culture later mm. um so that's in here if i had any criticism of that whole thing it's that um th- he has to compress time a little bit and he keeps the people alive, and it's almost him. It, they, like they name superhero pop culture as the driving force of media in what at the end of the story is two thousand one, and that's too early. And then the guys are starting in nineteen forty five, and and so for them to still be alive and sort of relevant, you know, like now would have been too hard. So they pushed it a little bit. Um, but the the story still works. Like it, it still mm-hmm. says the things you need to. Anyway, I just I I, I I really loved it. Like I loved the way that the, the setting that it, I've read a lot of books on this stuff. The setting is as I imagined it. I feel like this is as close to real as it's going to get. Um, Howard Chaykin is really interesting because he is a guy who uh, strides eras. You know, he's mm-hmm. a guy who comes out of. He's you know, seen a lot. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, he. I don't know when he got his start, if it was the late 70s or the early mid 80s. I don't know. I mean, I know when American Flag became a thing, but mm-hmm. if you were working in the early 80s, late 70s, you, you would have had contact with people from the Golden Age. Yep. Like they still would have been around. You would have seen them in San Diego. You might have seen them around the office. Um, or, you know, or you might have spent significant time with the people from the generation just after that who then would have spent time with those people. You know, you're. Your Walt Simonsons, your your Ramitas, your your you know like that, I, and I love that. I love that the comics industry is like you know we're not a hundred years into it. We're probably eighty years into it, ish. Maybe maybe a little more or less, depending on what part you're talking about. And all the history that's recent is it's all pretty recent history. You know, just that that first that first round of people just died off or are almost dying mm-hmm. off. That's a crass way to put it, but that is what's happening. That World War II generation. I mean, I remember my first San Diego standing, you know, five feet from Will Eisner and being kind of odd, but not really being 
knowledgeable enough to know what to say to him. Right. And, and then he died a year or two later. And I just thought that's, that's horrible. Like that, that's the thing, you know, and you know, honestly, like I've met Stan Lee lots of times and Stan Lee is of that era, you know, like that, that's like, uh, like Starenko for me. Yeah. 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 You know, but Jacob's a guy who's got stories for everyone. Yeah, I bet. Which I mean, is obviously. Really, yeah. Which is really cool. The, the one thing I think, um, about this book that in having looked at the preview pages and for folks who, when they hear Chaikin may assume, cause Chaikin likes to do a lot of just black and white. This is colored Chaikin art and it's actually really nice. It's a nice little treat. It is. It's, it's, it's a good looking book. And, and, you know, again, it's funny cause we're talking about this generational stuff. I think younger people don't know Chaikin. They don't know who he is or what it, they only know like the story from whatever two mini series ago. Right. You know, when he said something or drew something offensive mm-hmm. and like, that oh, is right. not, that's, that's, i that is not indicative of the man or his career or whatever. Like every project's his own project. And like, he's just, I think he's an honest creator and I think he comes from a different time, but I don't think he's malevolent in right. any way. And then, you know, For what's sure. funny. I don't find this story to be bitter so far. Mm-mm. Um, I, I, I really loved it. it. I mean, it really spoke to me. I, I, I love this part of comics history and how it works. There's bitterness in the book and the characters and stuff like that, but it, it's a pretty interesting look at, at this stuff. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to more of it. It's so much better than I expected it to be. Sweet. And that's that. Let's move along to some of the, some of the properties, uh, that came out of the era that we were just talking about. Nice transition. Yeah, uh, well, I just looked at the lineup that we have coming up, and it's like, okay, yeah, these are all these are all relevant to that discussion. Um, now, the last and such time, low numbers. It's like we're stepping right into. Fuck that. <laughs> um, the last time you were on, we talked about Dan Slott um, and basically his ending of of Spider Man. Did. Uh, and now it's funny because we have a bookend to two parts of that conversation and we are going to start with fantastic four starting uh again with number one written by dan slot drawn mostly by sarah Pacelli. i really really liked this and i, I say that saying um i dan slot's silver surfer was not for me um i know a lot of people you know really like that book i just i i could not get into it Connor really so liked he, it when he was announced on Fantastic Four, that was my initial sort of reservation mm-hmm. was, you know, is this going to be Silver Surfer dance lot or is this going to be Spider-Man dance lot? Um, and I feel like this is kind of a mix of both, uh, but in a way that I just I just loved. I thought he nailed uh, the spirit of Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four has done a lot over you know obviously over the decades and um i think we're all still coming off of you know i mean the last run of this was hickman right yeah hickman Uh, i I mean for real yes right yeah for real as a series uh you know the finesse four last thing that we've got really was was from hickman and that was such a different book yes. than what 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 this is and and even even what because i even think we talked about what chips it what chips are um chip was doing in marvel two and one well, it was pick of the week that, that week yeah pick of the week that week and and that and i think we said most times like this is just a fantastic four book not 
being called Fantastic Four. Which is interesting uh, because I feel like, and first of all, I think that when you and I talked about that, this is back in June, um, I was like, I feel like this is the end of the story. It's too bad I want more. And then there was a bunch more, yeah. um, which oops. But at the same time, I feel like I started this and I was like, did I miss the end of that other one? <laughs> right. Like, I don't think I did, but I feel no. like I did. Yeah, there, there's, a, there's a, I think it's a thing they're probably going to have to explain at some point um, because there is a, a, a bit of a, a gap from one story to the other. They're lost in the multiverse or somewhere in the other book. Yes, I think they got back. Apparently, they're going to make it back. <laughs> I could have never told you that. I'm not mad. It's just. Uh, but I just, I, I thought Dan had nailed the char- like the characters. There were so many sort of great character moments. And then even like, it was a Fantastic Four number one without getting the team together. Just I noticed yet. that. But that last, but that like those last moments was such a, oh, okay, we're going to get there. Mm-hmm. And I'm ready to buckle in for this one. I kind of liked it. Um, Dan Slott to me, his, his sense of humor reminds me of a person who's young, but spent a lot of time with old people. Mm. You know what I mean? I can see that. Yep. And like, it's just like, I don't like people who are super weirdo hipsters all the time, but there's none of that in this. Like it's, <laughs> it's like devoid of cool. And and that's not necessarily bad because there is a lot of sincerity in it, but uh, you know, like part of me finds that a little difficult, and it, it's a little schmaltzy. But I can't, I couldn't make the argument that the, that these type of comic books are not the place for that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. just because it's not for me doesn't mean it's not completely right. Um, right. And it's not even not for me. And the like, I hated this. I threw it down. I just there's there's some level that I I don't connect on it. Um, and that's usually the case with Dan Slott for me. And, and it's it's honest, not even a criticism. It's just it's just a thing I, I, I don't do. I, a couple of things. Um, there's it's funny. There's there's been a modern characterization of Ben Grimm that changed. Uh, you know, he, his thing used to always be, you know, it was forever was, you know, like he was he was charming, but he was sad because he was stuck in this thing. And poor me. Mm hmm. New Ben Grimm is like this matured, grown-up guy who actually accepts everything. He's not necessarily happy about it, but he's not grousing about it anymore. And he's like, now he's sort of telling Johnny, like, come on. You know, he's like, it's like he grew up. And it's kind of interesting because in comics, nothing changes. Nobody grows up. You know, like... But there's actually been a good couple of years of Ben Grimm. And this is across different writers and different books where, like, he's been this character. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. Um, yep. On the other hand, Johnny Storm, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I like something's not right about him. In again, in modern, not just this. Like I, I haven't right. figured out where he is, and it might be that it's part of him being lost, and he's you know acting in Arrested Development. I do not like the way that he's drawn now. I like the old way. Of him you mean being, his new costume? Well, no. Like when he flames on. Oh. I don't like the way that it's depicted because I used to always love the way when I was. You know, from the '60s through, I want to say the '90s or probably later. That's sort uh, of where classic. Like you could you could like see the body around the fl- like the inside the flames type thing. Yeah, where and there were the lines. Sort of, yep. You know, yeah. I, I just love that. I always have, and it's, it's kind of. I don't like the new costume. 
I mean, speaking all, of oh yeah, no, that new new costume is just awful. I but hope that's that's I mean, almost all of them. So r- yeah, but I mean, to be fair, Dan Dan is a writer who loves uh, seeing his characters as new toys, and so he will uh, easily change the costume of the costumes of the Fantastic Four at least six times before mm-hmm. his run's over. So, uh, but speaking of uh, <laughs> uh, fun new radical designs, how about uh, shirtless Doom? Hmm? Simone Bianchi shirtless doom. I I, I, I am lamenting. <laughs> it's not bad. You know what? At least you can tell he's not a doom bot in this one. Right. Simone Bianchi draws weird nipples. They look like eyes. Um, <laughs> they look like drugged out eyes. Always looking at Um, you. It was hard not to see them there. Um, I really, I, I, I really, I, I know it can't go on forever and I don't want things to change, but I, I really enjoyed that short Bendis area oh, era man. of reformed post uh, yep. whatever that thing was, do, you know, God Doom, basically. Secret Wars. Secret Wars Doom. Was it Secret Wars? Yeah. Battle World? Yeah, Battle World. Yeah. Um, I'm starting to get my Secret Wars and Secret Invasion mixed up a lot lately. Mm. That's what I found. Um, I really liked that Doom. I yeah, it, I really did too. That that Bendis' run on Iron Man, I just, or with Doom as Iron Man was one of my favorites. I was like it, really like it, it really like it was a big departure, but it totally like made sense uh, mm-hmm. in the the arc of that character and thing. And and so I'm kind of bummed to see it go. And I'm absolutely sure that there are many, 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 many more fanboys than me who are just like, thank God it's Doom back, you know. Well, but even I mean, it didn't feel like a total departure from that. It still felt. I mean, it felt like Doom. You know. I mean, yes, he's scarred again. Yes, he's wearing the mask, and yes, he's you know a bit angry. But I don't feel like he's he feels more like Doom for the people as opposed to uh, sure. Doom want to take over the world. But like which, he, which is an interesting take. His energy, like his his energy, is back to old Doom. Yes, the sort of silly like for I am Doom, you know that kind of thing. Right. Um, again, it, it's not bad, and it, it probably should revert back to that. But I was a little because mm. I feel like there was more to be done mm-hmm. with, with the other one. I could have gone on with him as Iron Man like that for quite a while. Yeah. Which is the fact, you know what, now that I think about that, I think it's the Bendis thing. Like, he'll start a thing, and, and then it'll kind of end, and you're like, man, that's it, we're done. It was like he did a hundred and, however many, over 115 or 20 issues of uh, Ultimate Peter Parker, and I was kind of like, man, they ended that too soon. I've, <laughs> I've said that before about a lot of things. I think as it moves so slowly, it's so decompressed. Well, a lot of his shorter stuff, too, I've like his Moon Knight run I've, is great but it's only 12 issues i don't remember that at all oh man it was fantastic when you get a chance take a look at it yeah. um but anyway fantastic four number one i i really liked it i really like the uh, the end um that really the end part really is what sold me yeah i can uh, see that there, there were a few little bits here and there you know throughout the issue that i was like okay i'm moving i'm moving uh and i mean it's sarah uh sarah kelly yeah. art and she's just She's so good. Yeah, she she really is. It's great. This is going to come out every two weeks, so she's only going to be on it for like five minutes. Yeah, basically. Okay, it's fine. As long as we're prepared for it. Um, we have talked about every single issue of Bendis' Superman so far in what is an unprecedented move. And I really don't think it's because like we are super Bendis fanboys. Like it's not that or even mm-hmm. haters. I don't. I just. I don't know why this is so fascinating. But Connor and I can't stop talking about it. And you suggested this today, so yeah. this isn't my fault. Um, Superman number <laughs> two came out. Bendis art by Ivan Reese. Um, and 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 you can talk about the issue in a second. But there really is something exhilarating and fun <laughs> about seeing Bendis with a completely new set of collaborators. 
Yep. And I, I mean, like, I'm not a huge Ivan Reese fan. I respect him. You know, he does a type of book. You know, but he's got he's got talent. Like he's like it's on mm-hmm. the page. You can see it there. But it's just so like I'm like it's weird seeing those names next to each other. And they're like it's like so far to the extent that I even looked down at the lettering and I saw the letters by Josh Reed and I went, it's not one of Chris Eliopoulos's guys. <laughs> right. And that's so strange to me. Yeah. Like to not see. You know, Eliopoulos, or he isn't letters much anymore, but, uh, you know, Joe Caramagna, Corey Pettit, like, yep. I'm like, it's so weird to have not have that name follow Bendis. And I'm like, uh, maybe, and maybe that's why, maybe that's one of those one small things that it doesn't feel completely like a Bendis book, like the Marvel ones do. Maybe it's that mm-hmm. little change. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, and, and even, you know, seeing uh, Alex Sinclair, who's coloring yeah. the book, it's just like, Alex Sinclair only colors DC books and only, <laughs> yeah. really only colors Jim Lee books. <laughs> and so yep. it's just like, it's like, wow, this, this is, this is not a fever dream. This is a thing that happened. Bendis is, he's right in Superman. He is coloring. I think he's coloring, um, Frank Miller's Xerxes at dark horse right now though, which oh, is, okay. which is well, weird too, but either way. Yeah. Um, uh, I, here's the thing. I'm listening. I, uh, I love, I really like Bendis's Superman. Yeah. I could really take or leave everything else. I, I don't really like, I don't really like the villain. No, one uh, does. I, I mean, I, yeah, I know it's, but it's just like, and I think that that really is what is sort of soured it for me. Uh, is that the like he started he immediately started off with a new villain for this and i can't tell if that's just me being like fanboy about it because i actually don't really know much about superman i, I definitely and i probably would have said like you know oh the obvious choice is like zod or something but i've been like no no don't do zod uh but there is just bendis is writing superman in a way that he has not written any other character. Yeah. And I think for when you're when you're someone like Bendis who has been in the game and literally written every almost every single Marvel character, um to like come do this and have it still sound different and fresh and still feel a little bit you know, pretty authentic to you know, whatever my notion of of Superman is, uh it, it is awesome. Um I'm just I'm not sold on this first arc yet though. So, so I am now I, I am now going to attempt a sports metaphor. Oh, here we go. Buckle in, everyone. Uh, b- before I do that, really quickly, by the way, all of these books are worth it for David Max Superman covers. Oh, man. All right? of them. Every time oh. I'm like, what is that? Right? And then there's, I think, is that an Adam Hughes? Yep, the one with the bullet. Yeah, which is amazing. This is an amazing piece of comic book art. Like, like... The, the the variant covers for this issue make its existence worth it, and I don't say <laughs> things like that. Um, okay, this is like, and I I'm better with '90s uh, sports people, but I'm gonna try to move it along because this is like if LeBron James like suddenly started playing a different position on a different team, and he's also it's also really good at that. Mm. You don't really like that team. You don't like the guys on the team. How's that? 
Okay. You know what I mean? Like, and it's just yep. like, it's all strange, but, but you're like, well, he's, he is, oh yeah, that guy's really good at that thing. And he's doing a different thing than you're even used to seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that was, that was more of a buildup than it deserved. Um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I think, I think you're right. I, I, I'm actually on the topic of the villain. Uh, there was some, not reveals, but we got more information on him in this issue. And I think that, that it helps. Yes. Uh, they, they, every time they build you some context into who this guy and why, it works more. And I think that one of the things he's doing that's kind of interesting is that instead of giving us everything at once, he's giving it to us slowly, um, hoping that we'll hold on. But I'll, apparently with sales, that's not the case. But um, oh wow, I think it's not as it's not bad, but it's not as good as I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not an informed opinion. Don't listen to me. Um, <laughs> I mean, look into it, and I'll probably be right. But you know, no, I mean, it's true. I mean, but uh, you know. Um, and, and anyway, but, but for me, you know, a grown up reader who's, who's, you know, who, who needs to be made interested, it works better like this. Um, I think, and I, and I still think there might be something more in store to make that pay off where it may not have been so obvious at first. And then the second part of that is I don't need another Zod slash Luther slash whoever story mm-hmm. for Bendis yes. to come in. Like, I'm going to tell my Luther Superman story. Like how fucking boring is that? Nope. Unless it's so amazing, you know, like, but that doesn't seem, that seems stupid. I know. I guess for me, like Brainiac, I think would have been. Any of them though. Like it's all been done. That's true. But I mean, it's 19, 1936. Yeah. I mean, that's a long, that's a long time. Also, and we're (laughs) bearing the lead. Um, Nuclear man is canon. (laughs) And he got his head crushed that was that's one of those things that that you just have to love about bendis right because that is a thing that really only he could get away with yeah i remember turning the page to the nuclear man like full page and i like i was like and it it really didn't click and i was like is the sentry in this i thought that and i was like why is the sentry in this and then i went oh my god superman 4 yeah and then he's dead on the next page. It's like so. I mean, that was just. It's just such a. It's such a great fun moment. That again, like, we think like there's no one else who could do that and get away with it. Yeah, you know what? There's a problem. You know what one problem with this book is? I'm not entirely sure, but I think that the characterization in this book of Barry is the same version from the Justice League movie that just came out. I'm okay with that. Ah, I was so annoyed by him in that movie. Oh man, and I I, I never talked about the I mean I, I haven't talked about the movie that much. I didn't do the show, but I, and I saw it recently. The the movie's problem is that it's boring, by the way. And I was like, why is Barry acting like this? This is stu-. and he's a kid in that, but he's not a kid in this. He's experienced veteran Barry, but whatever. I don't you know what it didn't make me mad. I was just like I just noticed it. Okay, so. Uh, let's move along to other uh, famous old properties, such as Amazing Spider-Man number three. Now, we talked before about the closing of uh, Dan Slott's Amazing Spider-Man, and we're a little ways into Nick Spencer and Ryan Otley's Spider-Man. Um, I am going to go – I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I, I bet you're enjoying this. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's pretty great. It – I can't believe that this is a Spider-Man story that hasn't been told yet. Yeah, to be like to be totally like it is just, but it's a Spider-Man story being told that totally fits Nick Spencer. Yes, 
and uh, it, like the, the the idea that they basically split power and responsibility into Peter Parker and, Sp- and Spider-Man as separate people is just so clever. Like there, there is a, there's a moment in this where, so a lot, a lot of this issue is, well, actually, oh, yeah. so uh, the beginning of this arc basically starts with uh, uh, your standard Spider-Man fight, whatever, something happens. And now we have uh, Peter Parker in uh, his own body and spider-man in his own body they are the same person but they're not the same person um and and i i did not follow that that's what's happening at the end of the last issue at the end of the last issue i was like you're doing another clone thing right and i was two ways into this one before i was like oh yeah which is it which was interesting because it totally at the beginning peter parker was bowling for one two three four four pages Mm-hmm. And I was like, "This is weird." <laughs> and then I like later I realized why. You know, yeah, it's very it was interesting. It's a there's it's a, there's a line there's a line in this issue where the, where the, Peter is sort of narrating the issue a bit and explaining you know what life is like as 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 him just as Peter Parker who no longer he there's no there's no wall crawling um, he goes the, he's got the the proportion uh, no longer does he have the proportional strength of a spider uh, just someone who uh, you know goes to the gym every every so often and he's just like having a hard time struggling to mm-hmm. carry groceries and like that's just like it's such a classic like Peter Parker type problem mm-hmm. that is actually real now because Peter Parker doesn't really have the strength <laughs> and it's just little things like that where and then there's this this part in the issue where him and spidey are talking at the top of a building and like you know uh spider-man brings him up to the top of the building they have this chat and spider-man's kind of a jerk yeah uh and just leaves peter at the top of the building <laughs> and peter goes uh, how do i get down I, I mean i i there's something really interesting about and then the Peter Parker side of it's way more interesting, by the way. Oh, absolutely. Because it's, it's you know, like you, you it's a nerd. He's a nerd, mm-hmm. you know, but he had all this going for him. So it gave him a certain verve and now he doesn't have it anymore, but and very suddenly. And how does one deal with that? And, and that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's pretty interesting. I mean, I, I don't know if it was Nick Lowe who put this team together, but sweet God, I mean, Nick Spencer and Ryan Otley, you know, they're supposed to be doing this. Yep. I mean, oh, yeah. 100%. Yep. And it's just, it it works on so many levels. That, that, again, it's one of those, like, it is a completely different book than what Dan Slott did for, mm-hmm. you know, the last 10 years. And, but it's done in a way that you maybe didn't realize you wanted someone new on Spider-Man until you got this. And you're oh, like, I did. Oh, oh yeah. Well, <laughs> no, I'm, 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 I mean, but it really is like, I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm reading a Spider-Man book in a way that isn't taking away anything that I don't want, you know, like, right. It's, it's a modern Spider-Man. They didn't, they didn't de-age him. They didn't, they just, they just found the right groove. Um, well, there was an, there was an arrested development joke in the issue, which I was like, Oh, come on. Because yeah, the issue is kind of narrated. Like, Interested development. It was. 
<laughs> and and like, oh, we're wrong. I love rest development, but mm-hmm. like to have the joke, like you could already kind of tell just with the narration alone, and then to have like the joke be like, in case you didn't get it, is like a rest development episode. And yeah. I'm like, all right, yeah. all right, Nick Spencer, we get it. But I loved it. Uh, yeah, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Um, uh, sticking on this tip, uh, real on this tip. Um, <laughs> I want to mention real quick, um, Spider-Man Annual Number One. Uh, this is notable. Um, do you really, know why this is really notable? Is. Yeah, you, you well, do know. I'm pretty sure I do, but I'm gonna let you. Go. I'm gonna let you go. With so it. I believe. First of all, there was when it, it's funny they don't have a title for Miles Morales, so they call him Spider-Man. They just take all the superlative away at the beginning, and he's just Spider-Man, which is very confusing when I'm looking for books because it <laughs> seems like the one I wouldn't buy because they couldn't even think of a title. <laughs> um, this is an annual. Apparently, it's the first one. Uh, after the relaunch of Back to Spider-Man when Bendis was still writing Miles Morales. Um, but I believe this marks the first time someone not Brian Michael Bendis has written a Miles Morales book. Yes. Um, so who we have here is uh, up and coming person who I seem to be talking about all the time. Brian Edward Hill had three issues out this week. Um, and had his name not been on it and had I not been so up on his work lately, I don't think I would have read this. Um, but I did, uh, along mm-hmm. with Nelson Blake, the second, um, and it was really pretty good. I yeah. Well, I, I was not, I didn't really expect the story that we got out of it. Um, mm-hmm. it, so basically it's a forgotten story of, uh, my, uh, of miles who apparently, was or had his spider powers during secret invasion mm-hmm. which feels like forever ago yeah and so that was probably like my only like well really because i because i kind of hate when oh, things feel just I, I don't think i put that together convenient I, I don't think i put that together i just like oh it's a random scroll attack but that i guess that makes sense oh yeah no yeah it was during during secret invasion so that's why i'm so that's why i was just like oh man did we have to put it in there um but but other than that, I, I mean, it was just, it was a uh, a fun it was a fun little story mm-hmm. that um, you know fills in some of the gaps of you know Miles in the six one six. Is it still called the six one six? I mean, I've never called it that, but I think so. Okay. Um. Yes, and it did not feel like Miles Morales. Um. And and if there's even a couple of bits where. Uh, like Miles and Genki are talking and the word balloons are going back and forth and, and not to say it was like an impression of Bendis, but it, it fit. I was like, you know, like it worked. Uh, I thought pretty well. There's a, there's Bagley framing pages on either side of it, which are hundred percent unnecessary by the way. Um, yep. Nelson Blake, the second uh, doing the art in the main story, uh, Brian Edward Hill. I mean, it's notable that uh, they're both African-American uh, creators taking over mm-hmm. this character. And I think that I felt that I think that that showed, I think they were talking about things that maybe Bendis couldn't necessarily get away with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they sold it. I think to a certain extent, basically there's a, there's a conversation about privilege. Um, mm-hmm. But it comes from Miles's uncle, who's a bad guy, which I thought was kind of interesting also. Um, yeah. where Miles is just like, I just, I'm just going to school, man. You know, like, and I, and I, I, I liked it. 
I liked it a lot. Uh, Brian Brian Edward Hill is impressing me left and right, and it's it's uh it's kind of cool to see a guy mm-hmm. come up uh, that I apparently did, were you did you read anything that he had done before recently? I don't think so. He's in a I th- I think I might be completely wrong on this, but I feel like he did a book at Top Cow. Oh, okay. Postal for a while, mm-hmm. and I might have I may have discriminated against that that cow logo. Well, um, but I do remember it existing for a while. I, I will check that up at some point and make sure I didn't get it completely wrong. But uh, he also, you know, he he did a um, detective this week. His detective run's been pretty good, um, and and his his um, Wildstorm Michael Gray miniseries, which I've been really enjoying. Mm. Oh, I I have been enjoying the Michael Gray series. I did not put two and two together. The same person. Yep, he's. I mean, he's he's oh, having sweet. his moment. Yeah. I like this is one of like you. I I really love I love the ascension moment, you know. <laughs> um, you know, this is Donnie Cates's ascension moment last year. Yep. You know, and yep. and and whoever you know, Nick Spencer's was like ten years ago now, but I I forget that it was that long ago. And then I thought, I guess maybe Nick Spencer's done now, but he's he's got a he's had a real nice second act. Yeah. Um, he does. So uh, that was worth checking out, and maybe he'll maybe he'll write Miles Morales, and 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 all will not be lost. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Harry's. Harry's. I just shaved the other day, and I'd like to I'd like to point out that again. I have to, I'm sorry, I say things like I just shaved the other day. That's not a really manly thing to say, but I have a beard and and I work from home, and it's I'm not terribly hairy, so a couple of times a week basically is what I gotta go for, and uh, I I'm continuing to. We're lucky. I'm, I I don't I don't disagree with you. I mean, like I do. I wish I had a fuller, more manly beard that that went you know higher up on. Yes, I do. Um, but also, it pokes me a lot, so I hate that. Um, I keep I keep noticing like I'm like, well, I haven't had razor burn in a really long time, and I feel like that <laughs> used to happen a lot, and it doesn't with my Harrys anymore. A couple of reasons: one, they're good blades; they're really sharp and nice, and two, they're actually not so expensive that I try to keep them much longer than I should. Mm. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I used to be like, well, I have to go buy these things. They're 15 bucks a piece. So I would yeah. sort of like hang on to them much longer than I should. Where now I'm more willing to be like, oh, just, just trade it out. I don't know. But I don't know how old it is. Um, and I always dig my Harry's uh, when, I, when, I, when I take the time to shave them. I'm, I'm a big fan of that. Um, they deliver, it's because they deliver close, comfortable shave at a fair price. The founders were, of course, fed up with overpaying for expensive razors when necessary features. That is what I just referred to a moment ago. Um, I'm, I'm not mentioning those brands, uh, but I still have some of them up there. I haven't touched them or thought about those, those razors or miss them. Uh, for one thing, since, uh, I switched to Harry's, which by the way, I should note was well before they started sponsoring the show. I've, I've been on board for quite a while. Um, uh, they know that a great day, great shave comes down to great blades made with sharp, uh, durable steel that lasts. And that's why they bought the factory in Germany. It's not in the, the copy anymore, but I love that the factory is in Germany. Um, and that, that factory is making high quality blades for over 95 years and they sell them directly to you over the internet. Uh, they can offer their bla- blades at a price much lower than the leading brand, just $2 a blades compared to $4 or more, uh, such as in many of your major urban markets. Because one time I forgot my Harry's at home and I had to buy a razor blade when I was in business in San Francisco and I'm still paying it off. Um, if you don't like your shave, by the way, let them know within 30 days of that purchase and they're going to give you a full refund. I would be shocked if you did that. 
And of course, as a trial offer for our uh, listeners, you can get a $13 value trial set that comes with everything you need for a close, comfortable shave, a weighted ergonomic handle. That weighted part is important, by the way. It stops it from feeling, feeling cheap and plasticky. You're like you're holding the thing. Um, a, a five blade razor with lubricating strip and a trimmer blade, a rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. And for those of you Harry's aficionados out there, um, I went to use the trimmer blade the other day and I noticed that it wasn't there and I was like that's odd and it's because I had pulled out one from before they added it that I'd had I guess mm. in, in my razor blade archive so what I can say is that I'm glad that they added it because now I can appreciate having not had it again um but but they, just imagine you have this drawer in your bathroom that you just pull open and it's full of nothing but just razor blades that you've been hoarding for years. It feels like that right up <laughs> until the point where I go to open it one day and I'm like, oh, no, I really am out now. <laughs> um, but it, like I said, I can make them last. I'm not a <laughs> not a hairy man. Um <laughs> And of course, uh, you'll get, uh, sorry, I have to finish, uh, you'll get the lathering shave gel and a travel blade cover. You can redeem that offer at harrys.com slash ifanboy. Um, check that out. Uh, I, I am a big fan. I will stop talking about it now. Catwoman number two, Joel Jones, Laura Allred on colors. I really like the first issue. I don't think I liked this one as much. Uh... I can see that, except this pay, except this issue had put on a clinic on how fight scenes and action should be done in comic books. I'm gonna go ahead and specify a little more. Um, y- you're right. Like I, I honestly, I don't care. This isn't to this isn't to diminish uh, Joel Jones's writing. I, I don't care what she's saying or what the people are doing. I'm I'm I'll I'll look at it. There were yeah, I mean there there were some parts of this issue that that felt slow. Basically, the non Selena Kyle moments. Um, I I like the villain. I, my problem with it really is that I I don't. I, oh, I've said this before on lots of things. Like I don't want to watch her detox from the bat from the Bruce Wayne thing. I just just yeah. Go have an adventure somewhere. It, make that be in the background. Mention a little bit, but I don't want. I I don't want to watch her mope in bed. I, I don't care mm-hmm. about that. I'm I'm not yep. here for that. Um. Well, the the thing that I think excites me about this story is it feels kind of it feels like a Batman book. Sure. Um, and I don't necessarily, I don't really think anyone's really done that with Selena Kyle. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I don't think I've ever, you know, there's a lot, especially I guess where she is now in the, in the DC universe, there's a lot that, uh, the, the Selena Kyle versus the Catwoman it plays very much like Bruce and Batman. And, uh, but it's really interesting to sort of see it from her perspective. Mm-hmm. And that's what sort of got me excited about this. And not to, I mean, I, I could talk about the art in this book all damn day. It's there, just, there were some, so some left-hand panel stacking issues. Yeah. Which is a bugaboo of mine, but yeah. whatever. Um, you know, what was in a weird thing and we have to move on. This show's going to be a hundred hours long, but th- there's a weird bit where like, basically this is fight scene. She beats the shit out of all of these <laughs> other cat women. Um, like there's we're just a, hired actors, right? That's exactly it. Like, and there's one part where there's like, it looks like she slices somebody's throat. Like <laughs> yeah. she's a trained killer, and at the end is like, we're just hired actors. And I was like, <laughs> we should have figured that out earlier. Why? I mean, I feel like she would have known that. Like, oh, these people can't fight. This is I don't need to kill them. 
<laughs> I mean, but, but that's, that's the thing I really love about it. Like she saw it all happening and then she just immediately went, immediately went into kick everyone's ass mode and then was like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. No, you're right. Um, and the villain's really evil. I, I like that. Yeah. Like oh yeah. That, that, that little scene where you just, you takes the hammer to the, the casino scene. Yep. <laughs> oh Yeah. Sorry, they oh, do the yeah. same thing in casino. I'm not. Yep. That's it's it, it's it's a visceral, horrible thing. <laughs> if you want, you can read the credits for the next book as I have written them, uh, or you could not. <laughs> Daredevil six oh six, written by Chucky Soul, art by Phil Fucking Noto, and letters like Clayton Gals. I haven't talked to Charles in a while, but I'm almost positive that he's one of those people who's like, if you ever call me Charles, I'll stab you in the eye. <laughs> or Chuck. Chuck. Chucky. Chucky's even funnier. I get so excited when I see, see Phil Noto's name in the in the art credits of any book. Um, oh, man. I had no idea he was doing the, the art duties for this book. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one of those things where like, I have been checking in and out of uh, Daredevil for a while. And I am so glad that this was a an issue I checked in on because uh, it was a lot of fun. And again, like Phil Noto does such when he's when he's given the room to do to do it, such interesting he just approaches pages in such an interesting way sometimes. Like there's just there's a, a bunch of scenes where basically um, uh, Hammerhead is trying to he, like he just he wants to be famous and he invites a bunch of people. He does a thing and invites you know does it in a way that's super public and tries to get people to like record it on their phones and whatnot. And the way that Phil does that is just so fucking gorgeous mm-hmm. that I'm just like God, this guy is so good. We well, you know my favorite thing about Phil Noto is um, I re- I remember first seeing his work forever not not forever ago but i think he was the cover artist for robin oh wow and i i I noticed the covers like his i mean his pinup work is it's just it's so good it's as good or you know it's good it's as good as anybody's in in the industry and and it had been from first one all of his like art pieces of like the fantastic four Oh, like those uh, like 60s. old photographs. Yeah, I mean that, that stuff is stunning. Um, anyway, so I I noticed those covers and I thought, boy, that's something special. Um, and and I thought, when's he gonna do sequentials? And you'd see him every once in a while, and it was always like a little stiff. Um, right. And then he started to get better, mm-hmm. and it started to live. And what's happening now and over the past couple of years is that when he shows up, having done art, um, you remember he did uh, he did a mini series with um, Jerry Duggan before either of them were famous or super successful. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Called Infinite Horizon. Infinite Horizon. Um, and that's good looking, but it still had a lot of that sti- that stiffness left in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Everything felt like his pinups. Yes. Um, yeah. However, since that time, every time I see his sequentials, his sequentials are getting better. And it that hasn't lost the quality that I liked about Phil Noto, but it has yeah. added the quality of being really quality sequential art. Mm-hmm. Um, and every time I see it, it's better than it was before. And I love, I love that because he doesn't have to mm-hmm. do that. No, he doesn't have to get better. He's good enough that he doesn't have to get better, but he is getting better and he's getting better at storytelling, which is like, that touches my, my, my comic book heart. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I want to say. And it's, and it's things like that, 
the I mean the fight scene was just so great. And there's a few little like story notes I want to just call out here because they actually they made me chuckle a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Hammerhead's goons use hammer guns uh, or nail guns because mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I am the I am the hammer and everyone else just using nails and when like when Matt Murdock realizes that he's like what the fuck <laughs> and so I thought that was a fun bit uh, but also. Uh, this issue reveals that apparently what used to be Matt's fake alias, Mike Murdoch, is actually a real person, apparently. And he's kind of a dick. And there's a, a, a bit that Robin Williams used to do um, that, like, if Jesus ever had a brother, uh, just like Jerry Christ sitting in a bar, he'd be like, yeah, I know that guy. He's a dick, and this is exactly what what that felt like as as a callback to, and it's it'll. I'm I'm interested to see. Like again, I jump in and out of Daredevil, mm-hmm. and this issue definitely got me in for the next one. Yeah, yeah, I've actually read it the whole time. I, I don't think I've loved all of it, but there's definitely been something interesting about most of it mm-hmm. that that I liked a lot. Um, g- good news, uh, you can talk about Wolverine while I check out for a second. Also, <laughs> I wrote Wolverine. Y- you did. Okay. Yep. Um, so this is one of those things that Marvel does every uh, every once in a while, where they're leading up to something, and uh, they release a bunch of miniseries, and you think none of the uh, miniseries just like work or matter or whatnot. This one actually fucking matters, and I was shocked. Um, Hunt for Wolverine, Adamantium Agenda number four, where basically the new Avengers get uh, each get ridiculous looking Iron Man suits, uh, written by Tom Taylor, and the art was done by R.B. Silva for this one. Um, I picked this up because uh, I love Tom Taylor has been doing such phenomenal work um, with Laura Kinney, X23, Wolverine, uh, whatever name she's going by these days. And uh, this issue drops sort of two pretty big bombshells uh, on unsuspecting readers. Um, one, it reveals that uh, Laura is truly not just Wolverine's clone, but Wolverine's daughter. Uh, and it's done in a way that, um, you know, it's revealed. Sinister, uh, the premise in the story, Sinister's got a bunch of, uh, you know, has information on every mutant under the sun. And Iron Man uh, at one point sort of hacks into the mainframe. And uh, there's a moment where, uh, you know, Iron Man is left with this dilemma. Does he does he destroy it all or does he sort of keep it all? And inevitably he destroys it all. But before, so, before he does so, he scans uh, Wolverine and... Uh, Laura's file and drop sort of that, that bombshell. But the, the, the second one is that there is apparently someone who we have long believed to be a mutant is apparently not a mutant. Uh, and the way it's set up in this book is it's probably someone that we all know and love, um, which now, you know, it's, it has me like wanting to know, well, who the hell is it? And if it's really someone just like inconsequential, I'll be really, really sad about it. But, uh, but it was like, just, like it was when they that sort of killed came... Goliath in Civil War, right? <laughs> <laughs> it was just something that sort of came out of nowhere, and and the issue itself was just was kind of fun. Um, I had loosely been following the the first three issues, but I mean, honestly, you can pick this this last issue up and totally just 
go along for the ride and and have a little fun. And it sets up, like I said, major things for X twenty three and major things sort of for the X Men. Um, so I enjoyed it. Outside of the ridiculous looking Iron Man suits that Luke Cage and Jessica Jones and fucking it's Spider-Man. just it's just how it is. Oh God, it's fine. <laughs> they were really bad. Let's move along to the patron pick. Uh, every week, the patrons get a chance to vote on what they would like us to read. Um, and, and this week, I get to subject Jim to that. And and normally, what I do is if they pick something really obvious, I chide people. And I'm like, we know we're going to read that anyway. And then if they <laughs> pick something that's not obvious, I go, oh, you can make me read this. Um, so it, it should be known that they nor I can't win. Um, this week, <laughs> the pick was uh, Black Badge number one. Uh, from Boom um, Studios, uh, story by Matt Kent, uh, art by Tyler Jenkins, um, and I did not know what to make of this. I didn't know what it was going to be. I didn't know that it existed. Uh, I know that it won, and then I had to read it. Um, and and how, how would you describe this book? It's a, What would you say the pitch is? Uh, I, I don't know. It's like... Black Ops Boy Scouts? Black Ops Boy Scouts, I guess. Yeah, yeah, at the at the highest part of like, I guess after you're an Eagle Scout, like a few get chosen for the to be the black badge, you know, like the like the highest of merit badges, um, right. and they go on like spy special ops, you know, Navy SEALs missions. Yep, it's very it was very it's very strange. Yeah, I I, I had to read it twice because I I needed to sort of make sure I didn't really miss something. Uh huh. Uh, because there's a there's that transition from where they go from you know it's these four kids or these couple of kids and they're talking about like wanting to get this this badge and you think it's you know just another merit badge and they're doing all sorts of crazy shit they're dropped into fucking Korea and you're like okay and then and then it's it then that moment happens where they're like oh no you know black badge is not a merit badge it's it's a level and um that's what i was like wow okay i did not see that i didn't really see that coming and then when it happened i was like oh okay uh i don't i don't know as if we got to know enough about the no. characters to make me care one way or the other uh but the premise is it's pretty interesting well, it was interesting to me, yes, and and actually, I, I like. I just don't. I don't want to be coy, but like, it it kind of won me over. At first, I thought, I don't know about this, but it has a tone that's somewhere between uh, adult literature and kids literature. Yeah, and and because of that, that kept me a little on edge, where I didn't know what to expect, and I liked that. Mm-hmm. Um, like parts of it were like more simplistic than I think they maybe should have been, but then you think about the concept and you're like, well, it should be sort of simplistic, you know? Like that's yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, like I couldn't nail down the tone basically, and not in a bad way. Mm-hmm. It, it kept me on my toes. It does a lot in this first issue where yes, I it, don't, yeah, there really where is where I feel like normally it, that like something like this would have been broken up into two issues. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, in the middle of that is some sort of, is a bit of sort of bog standard kind of like meet the team, you know, yep. black guy, fat kid, <laughs> you know, um, like 80s buddy right. kid movie. Um, yeah, there's something interesting about it. 
Um, the only there's a, a technical complaint I guess I would have um, in the beginning. It was a weird setup. Mm-hmm. Like they're on they're on like a scouting trip, but they're in Korea, but yeah. they can take a canoe to North Korea. Yeah, that was. And the guys like meet us back here at sunset, and then they disappear and go camping like somewhere else. And I was like, well, if 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 four Boy Scouts disappeared on the Korean border, (laughs) I mean, they would bring in the the Apache helicopters anyway, right? Um, Well, historically, now who can fucking say? (laughs) Um, And then there's like a guy who's picking on them at the beginning, and they just sort of take it, Um, and that felt a little. A, it felt a little forced. I get what they were going for, but I don't know that it was necessary to do that much of it. It felt like it was they were having more fun writing it than anything else. Um, but also, there was a little bit of storytelling issues there. Where in the first first page, the guy who's teasing them has a backwards hat, and then there's another guy with a hat who tells them meet there. And I was like, wait, is your scoutmaster guy picking on you? But then that guy's actually standing between them. And then the next time he talks, he's turned his hat back around forward. And then they take off, and somebody in a paddle boat is teasing them also. And I was like, did the hat teasing guy get in a boat to go? And then I read over this a few times trying to figure it out. Like, it was just a little strange. Like, I had to stop and pay attention to it. I don't like to have to do that. Um, that's a weird complaint. But as I, I read through it, I was like, this is weird. It's, it's like, not fully formed. That's my only real complaint about it. Yeah. like My biggest thing was is I did the, – the characters – seemed like they should have been sort of, you know, characters by catalog for this type of, you know, setup, but I still didn't really feel like I, I could not tell you which was which and what they did. Right. That's true. But that was right. Well, it's funny. They went through it at one point and then at the end they told you again. Yeah. Like this guy's good with a bow. I was like, what the fuck is he good with a bow for? <laughs> but, but again, in the way that I say that, it's not really a complaint. <laughs> no. I'm kind of like, well, I want to see more about this bow thing. Yeah. It was interesting. Well, I, think, I think when they when he when he first does that, it's it's a bit more boy scouty. And mm-hmm. then when they do it at the end, it's like lethal trained killer, good with the bow. And I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah, the one guy has a stick. Yeah. <laughs> um Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I I thought it was I was I was pretty interesting. That's what I'm gonna go for. I was, I was, I'm gonna get pleasantly surprised. How's that? Only because I had no expectations, so I didn't know what to think. Although I don't usually get into Matt Kent's work. I don't not again not like it. I just yeah. I've never gotten into it. Um, let's go to ratings. Ratings. I will. Uh, um, th- 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 three point seven five. Oh wow! Okay, that might be high. I'm gonna, but I'm gonna say because I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, and will I stick with it? Maybe if I remember. Mm. Yeah, I was gonna give it a three, mm-hmm. and it's probably more of a if I remember and it shows up in front of me. Like if I'm really? at the comic shop and I'm scanning the shelf and I go, "Oh right, that's that book I read." I do want to know what happens next. I don't, I mean, I don't know how badly I want to know it, but like I do, like I, I want to, I kind of like, well, what's this going to be? Like, what's, you know, Matt Kent, Matt Kent's not, he's a pro, you know, like, yep. It's, it'll be, it's interesting to see what, what would happen with that. 
So there you go. Uh, to the patrons, uh, thanks so much uh, for voting and, and, and all that. And if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash ifanboy. Uh, our, our next stretch goal, we've been saying this to you forever. You know it. Say it with me. A non-comics media podcast. Um, and, 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 you know, basically the idea is that y- y- you guys uh, listen to the show in and out. Um, we're not so huge that we're like, oh, we can do this in a way that we can make a ton of money or we can do whatever. So what you're saying is us small, hearty few appreciate what you're doing and want to contribute. Um, and it really does help. Um, I, Connor and I uh, appreciate it immensely. Um, it really um, makes doing the show uh, a, a much more um, attractive prospect after low these many millennia. Um, and, and also just like the, the symbolic sort of gesture of 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 you know like we're all in this together and we want to help support the show and i think that's really cool anyway so that's uh patreon.com slash ifanboy um you can vote on the patron pick if you're there or get one of these powers that we're talking about in a minute uh if you're over uh five dollars a month after that if you don't want to do that you could of course go to the ifanboy t-shirt store uh t-shirt and other various things which can be printed on um uh, at ifanboy.threadless.com there are now seven designs um, Connor said something about doing another design I, I don't know what he was on at that point I'm not I didn't commit to anything um, but you know that's a thing that, that he wants to do apparently uh, he's never designed anything he's on vacation life. he doesn't get to make decisions it, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter um, we'll, des- we'll put something else up some at some point but right now nothing makes sense nothing matters uh that's the gold standard it, i, I will we, we may not ever top it so it might be it might be that also but it's not my joke so i'm not super committed to it <laughs> like i want you to buy it but if you don't I'm, it's fine um or if, if none of those things are your things but you feel like you want to make a donation to the show uh you can do that over at ifanboy.com support again uh and make a direct donation uh to paypal and and over there also you'll find ifanboy.com amazon where you find links to buy the books on the books blows you'll always find a link uh to buy the pick of the week uh book on on the on the post for the website uh and that will take you into amazon where other things that you buy would help support the show directly and that's kind of cool now everyone who is a patron who is over five dollars a a month uh contribution gets on the list a long list um to get a dumb superpower uh i don't you know what i i don't think they're dumb i don't like dumb but we, we make one up if it's dumb, that's up to you. Who knows? So, do you uh, you don't happen to you don't happen to read and or watch My Hero Academia? Do you? I don't even know what that is. Okay, so it's a it's an anime, also a manga, or whatever. But it's basically uh, a bunch of people are born with superpowers, but they're called quirks, and a lot of them are really just really dumb. <laughs> but like the way that they show it in practical ways is very very funny. Well, uh, I f- interesting. I feel like in the mainstream world. Um, New X-Men from Grant Morrison was the first yep. to be like, maybe all the mutations aren't great. Right. Yeah. Um, and then when I was quite young, quite a long time ago, my first comic book project ever was a story about that. Mm. And it was about a guy who like, um, like found out that his secret, I just, I just put this together. My first ever comic project and we shot it um, like with a camera. I didn't have an artist to do it, so we shot with the camera and then did processing and put stuff in it. Anyway, uh, the idea was like he he was a remote control. He could change the channel mm. without a remote control. And then like what he does is he calls up like 
I don't know, the authorities or whoever. And he's like, I, I have powers. Somebody, somebody come and talk to me. And then Superman or a Superman version comes to visit him. And he's like, this is not really a big deal what you have. And it's not very useful. <laughs> That's it. Um, awesome. Yeah, that's weird. I don't know why I didn't think of that. Um, okay, sorry. David, the show's running long and I'm not helping. David F- Flett. <laughs> David Flett. Um, which sounds like Richard Splett from Veep, which makes me laugh. He's got, he's, he's got healing toes. <laughs> say, the, say that you have an ailment. Well, David has to, he lays his toes upon you. Um... Like, if you had, like, a sucking wound, you'd have to shove his toe into the wound. Oh, my God. And that would heal it up. Um, There's obviously issues with this. A lot of people don't necessarily want people's toes on them, especially if they're wounded. Mm. Um, I don't like feet, for example. Um, That's a big thing. And then further, David probably not all that keen on constantly sticking his feet on uh, injured folk. But Mm -mm. if needs must... David Flett and his toes, uh, his healing toes are there. Chris Lockhart uh, yeah. is has the uncanny ability to uh, tie people's shoes just by looking at them. Oh. Yep. So, uh, can also untie shoes. Someone on this call right now has a toddler. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. There's like this very specific point when uh, my older son, who's who's ve- who's always been very big for his age, um, mm-hmm. was no longer able to buy Velcro shoes that fit him. <laughs> like like basically, they make Velcro shoes for little kids and really old people, and so he was not at the point where like physically he was able to tie shoes yet. But I was like, we have no choice; we have to get you laces. They don't make them like this anymore. Sorry, I don't want to. I don't want to no, undercut. No, no. I mean, I was gonna say, like, look, he uh, superhero, you know, supervillains wear sho- wear shoes to probably have laces. Mm-hmm. He he can, uh, you know, oh, just by looking I, at him, untie I, those shoes, tie them together, and boom, dude trips. Kind of a thing that I feel like, you know, important guy to have on a team. I I can see there's a, there's a practical benefit to that that you might not see immediately. Well, I mean, there's also the fact that you just have to look at your shoes and they're tied. Uh huh. Super That's practical. True. Um, no, that's helpful. Definitely. <laughs> Next up, uh, Will Thomas. Will Thomas. <laughs> this is an odd one because it turns out that you remember way back when there were stories about uh, Mary Hart from Entertainment Tonight and how her voice would drive some people into seizures. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, the sound of Stan Lee's voice turns Will into Todd McFarlane for two hours. Oh, God, that's awful. <laughs> yeah, every time he hears Stan Lee's voice, he turns into Todd McFarlane for two hours. <laughs> okay, I was really proud of this one. That was That's a good one. I had a lot of time thinking about how long he would have to be Todd McFarlane. Like, what would be so long that it's unbearable? <laughs> you know, but also significant enough. It's like five minutes as Todd McFarlane seems like could probably deal with it but two hours is it's a lot of self-aggrandizement Stephen <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ungaro I hope I said that right uh, he uh, can basically beat any Price is Right game problem is 
once you're a contestant on Price is Right, that's it. We only get one shot. So I hope the prizes are good that day. But otherwise, he's just at home, and he's just nailing it every game. Just, just yelling at his TV. Can't believe those people are making dumb decisions. It really is a burden for Steven. So I'm you're sorry, saying Steven. he's like it, it's affected him badly. Like he's in the he's in. It's a- affected him badly because it's he just he knows he knows how to win every game. So has he can been only on? Win. Well, I, he, I'm sure he tries a lot, uh-huh. and if he makes it, you can only really do it once because then they don't let you come back. And so, like I said, let's just hope the prizes are good that day and. uh that's it, but like he knows the right amount of pressure and speed and, and torque that you need to give for the prize wheel to uh, or the you know to so get to the dollar. It's not just about knowing inherently the price and cost of things, but also the 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 slight physical aspect of yep. say the wheel or plinko. Right, exactly. He knows exactly how to drop how to drop those discs for plinko. He's watched it. He's studied it. It's physics. Huh. Just comes to him naturally. I know. Uh, a girl who I went to college with, um, and and I and and she was there's a program where we would go to Los Angeles for a semester, and she went a little before I think the rest of us, and so she ended up on the Price Is Right, and she won the Showcase wow. Showdown, won them both. That's like that's like one of my dreams. Yeah, she she won them both, and I don't remember what it was, but I do remember like it was way more of a hassle than you would think. Like there was a giant tax burden at the end of it, so she had to sell a ton of it just to pay off the taxes that she owed for the stuff that she oh, couldn't shit. use. Damn. Um, yeah, and and that's, Charles, the, that's that seedy underbelly of uh, yeah. Game uh, people people at home might not know that Chucky Soul, Chucky Soul of uh, of Marvel's Daredevil, he was on Jeopardy. I can't remember totally. if he won or not, but he was on Jeopardy. Oh and really? If, and if you've ever met him, it's an unsurprising fact. <laughs> Because he's he's an intel he's an, he's he decided to write comics instead of being a lawyer. So there's that. So thank you to all the patrons of uh, that. That was a that was a story filled event right there. Uh, <laughs> thanks to all the patrons. Uh, we hope you enjoy your powers. Uh, I am gonna fly right past the emails this week. I don't have time for it. I'm sorry, uh, but it's a little late. Uh, let's see. Let's 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 do some business. Let's let's get some things out of the way. Uh, the July book explode that was last month. Uh, it was Planetary Book One, um, which was uh, unsurprisingly very enjoyable. In fact, even it aged even better than than you would expect. Uh, Connor and I it talked took about you this long to do Planetary. Yeah. Um. Well, I, I'm not knowing myself. Um, That's true. Um, and of course, this talk explode coming up uh, this month in August. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I have it booked, um, and I know who it's going to be. Um, but I've, I've said that before. I mean, the list of people who were like, "Yeah, I'd love to do the show," and then apparently fell off the edge of the flat fucking earth. Um, oh, it's long. <laughs> it's very long. Um, I, I, it says here coming soon: the death of Superman. Quite honestly, I don't know if they already did that. Probably not, because Connor's on vacation, so I guess they're going to do that when they come back. Uh, the Animation Brain Trust will, will handle that, so I don't think it exists in the feed yet. But I don't really follow those shows enough to know. And I should, and I'm sorry. There you go. If you like this show, you can head over to ifanboy.com. You can find all of our podcasts, historically and otherwise. You can find many things, all of the things that have ever been published uh, by our organization over there, uh, dozens and dozens of, of uh, 
ancillary podcast and not just the pick of the week podcast um you can find out the pick of the week is before the show comes out by liking facebook.com slash ifanboy or following at ifanboy on twitter also patrons uh will see that information too um it was the latest this week it has been in maybe ever uh, I think I think I put it up Saturday night. Um, you can follow us individually at Jay Flanagan on Twitter and Instagram, depending on if I decide to delete my account that week or not. Uh, and CS Kilpatrick on Instagram. Um, you want to do this part? You want to handle this this business? Sure. Uh, I want to say uh, you can also follow me too. Uh, oh yeah, I meant to say it. that. Yeah, I'm very whatever. tired. It's fine. It happens. Hey, if you dig the show, write a review. Leave a star rating on iTunes. It really goes. It really helps these guys out. It really goes a long way. And you know, some days they need it. Uh, but you know what? If that's if you want to go above and beyond the Call of Duty, tell your friends. Podcasts make the world make the world a better place. And when you have someone else to talk about a podcast with, makes it even better. Uh, oh, that's a introduce your mom to podcasts. Say hello to your mother for us. Yeah, people don't realize that's a question. Oh, because I don't know. I don't ever say that joke. That's what the (laughs) joke everybody else says. I don't know why it's there. I don't think it's particularly funny, but it's there and I'm not going to erase it. But I think you have just noticed that it is phrased as a question in the script. It's true. Introduce your mom to. So then you (laughs) introduce your mom to podcasts, introduce your mom to podcasts or I mean surely the mom movement the podcast is coming so introduce your mom to podcasts <laughs> <laughs> and it goes on and on now I like it again <laughs> so just spread just spread the love spread clearly. it all we need it I am Josh I'm Jim thank you so much for joining me that was a lot hey. of fun I always have a blast. Yeah. Uh, Jim can be found over at comicbook.com. And he just told you about the other uh, Twitter at thing you could follow also. So so there's really that. really do nothing but debate about Power Rangers all day. So yeah, uh, if, that's your, if that's your thing, totally. Let's do it. That, that's all after my time. I'm and I'm not even saying that, but like it was a thing that I was like, I don't, I don't know what that is. And it's weird. That's all I've ever thought about it. <laughs> And that, but it's fine. I'm not judging. You can do that. My brother was super into it. He's probably your age-ish. Something like that. My, my brother, who I still think is a kid, but is like in his mid to late 30s now. <laughs> like in my mind, I'm like, oh, he's 17. Oh, no, he's he's 36. Shit. Um, fine. Ah, that was a fun show. I'm not going to remember it, but it was a good time. It was. It was.